Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Stuart Hillhouse, host of Top of Mind. And if you want to learn how to be top of mind in your network, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my buddy, Travis Chappell. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with my boy, Stuart Hillhouse. Stuart is a marketer specializing in audience development for brands and people. Every Wednesday, he shares actionable insights from top marketers to learn what it takes to be top of mind in their industry on his podcast, Top of Mind. He writes weekly about marketing and the attention economy over at stuarthillhouse.com. Stuart, what's up, bro? Thanks for coming on the show, man. Good, Travis. Thanks for having me, man. Yes, sir. Of course. So let's go ahead and dive in, build a little bit of context and uh, talk more about your story specifically. And as you know, as a listener of the show, we like to take it way back here on the show. So let's go like, <laughs> let's say nine years old, man. Talk to me about family life. What were your parents doing vocationally at that time and where'd you grew up? Yeah, I grew up in Toronto, Canada. I didn't realize this until I was an adult, but looking back, I was like, oh, my parents are always available to help out with school activities or like go on the field trip or any of those things. And so it wasn't until I was an adult that I realized, oh, they, they both worked for themselves. They were both like entrepreneurial and had their mm -hmm. own kind of side projects going on. So 
my mother's a nutritionist and a writer, and my father is a commercial actor and uh, was a tennis coach at that point. And so it was always strange for me when my friends would say, oh, like my parents are, are working, working today. I can't, they can't go on the field trip or whatever else like yeah, that. Sure. So it was, it was funny for me. Yeah. Right. What was your jam back then? Like in school, were you big into sports where you did like academics or what, what was your, what was your big, um, you know, hobby of choice? Yeah, I was definitely a, definitely a sporty kid younger on got into karate for a bit. Hockey was my like go-to Tried can't be, soccer, can't be but Canadian if you don't play hockey. Right? <laughs> no, exactly. Tried soccer, but uh, that was too much running, um, <laughs> which is funny because then eventually I ended up doing like track and field. I kind of did all the sports going through, and then and then once I hit high school, I uh, started kind of turning towards like more like I joined the play. I I was in band and did a lot more of the arts, and so mm. that kind of turned me on to a little bit more of the performance side, even though I still kept up the sports. So I kind of got to know all the friend groups. I was, I was in every, every group and then eventually like student council as well. So I kind of did all of it. And as a result, my academics weren't wicked. They were very average (laughs) because I had all these other things going on. Yeah. When you look back at that time, are there any big life lessons you took away from your time playing a bunch of sports or doing some of those things like band or theater or any of those things? One big one that I've been thinking about recently is the Sports are an interesting way to like fail in public. I wasn't always on great teams. And so we'd be losing all the time. And that was just part of it. And for a while, I'd like watch on TV and I'd see athletes like breaking their hockey sticks when they lost or like freaking out. And they kind of got attention from that. And so I'd kind of try and emulate it on the ice or in any other <laughs> situation. But then I kind of realized like, like that makes no sense. They're just being babies. I should just <laughs> take this, take it the way it came. We didn't win this game. We might not win the next game, but it kind of took the pressure off from being always perfect. being perfect. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. It was more about just like, did you do your best? Did you try something different? Did you learn? Did you, are you getting better? And so it took all the pressure off. And so that is something that I really felt deeply, especially because I did all this team sports was like, it wasn't just me failing. It was the whole group. And yeah. you can, but you as an individual can still contribute to winning eventually if you are getting better your own on yourself. Yeah, entering that growth mindset as early as possible. That's that's definitely one of those things that I took away from sports for sure. Is that it's not just about your natural talent. Sure, that might help a little bit. That might push you in the right direction. Maybe you might have a natural proclivity to being a little bit better. Maybe you're naturally faster or something like that. But at the end of the day, the person that that uh, wants it the most and works the hardest is going to be the best person out there and going to be the person that elevates their team to success. Which I was definitely not the hot shot either. So I had to uh, <laughs> find other ways to make myself useful and being yeah, cheerful sure. and like encouraging was kind of my jam. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely the the kid that had to just work really hard to try to to try to keep up <laughs> yeah. with the natural athletes for sure. Okay, so played a lot of sports. School wasn't your jam. But you grew up in an entrepreneurial household. I'm curious, did your parents push you in a certain direction for like what you were going to do after high school? Or how did that pan out for you? No, they were very supportive, but hands off. They didn't encourage anything. They were just, they would always nod their head and ask more questions more than anything. Uh, okay. And they never put their own lens to what I should be doing. They just kind of left breadcrumbs saying like, oh, you, you enjoy this kind of stuff because it's so many hard questions, right? It's like, what are you going to do for university in Canada? It's like, what are you going to do? And what are you going to do for the rest of your life? They didn't ever put that pressure on them. They just said, well, you're interested in outdoorsy stuff. You enjoy science. Oh, apply to these programs. And so I ended up getting into, into forestry of all things 
And so that's what I did my undergrad in was because I kind of had this no interest way. in outdoorsy stuff. And I knew I wanted to do some type of science major. And forestry was with my grades was the, was the uh, program that got offered to me. And that was actually what you ended up getting your degree in? Oh, yeah. I, I did all four years. I did undergrad nice. in uh, Bachelor of Science in Forestry. And did you do anything with it after that? It was honestly a really great undergrad because, because it's such a hireable, a hireable summer job. Like there was tons of jobs that needed being done in the woods that you were only qualified for if you had a degree or were working towards it. And so it allowed me to go. So I went to school in Eastern Canada, didn't know a single person in that town, but just moved over and went to school. And then in the summers would get paid to travel to like the West Coast and British Columbia. And I got to go see these beautiful trees and like massive mountainscapes, but getting paid to be there. And so it worked out as a as a good summer gig. I haven't pursued it professionally since graduating. I've yeah. made a pretty big pivot after undergrad, but it made for like, to get that experience, but also get paid to travel was really, really wicked. What, uh, what brought about the pivot? I think that was the, that was the problem is I liked being outdoors by choice. I didn't like being outdoors uh, as an every yeah. single day job. Really, right. um, really, really uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. And so So like, I knew that maybe it wasn't for me when we'd be out working and then it was the weekend and we're in the most beautiful part of Western Canada and there's unbelievable national parks everywhere and these, like all these photographic areas and people would be like, oh, let's go on a hike. And I'm like, oh, unless I'm getting paid, I don't really want to be walking in the woods. And I'm like, oh, it's taking all the fun out of being Right, they kind of ruined my interest that I had in this thing, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just kind of saw the painting on the wall, or the writing on the wall, and and the people around me weren't necessarily the kind of people I jived with. So I, I don't know, I just kind of looked around and uh, applied to to another program that was more, that was about entrepreneurship and, and technology management. Again, okay. another fluke application, just put it out there and said, you know, it'd be cool if I got into that, but I'm kind of just going with the punches and ended up getting in. And that was my intro to the business side of things. I never had any interest in that, but I liked the idea of it. And so this was that intro of applied applied business because it wasn't about like, let's do first year accounting and let's get into the nitty gritty. It was more like, here's how the dollars behind a business work, but then here's how you can do that without needing to be a business mastermind. So then what was the next step after you completed that? Got myself involved in this group called Venture for Canada. Uh, if you've ever heard of like Venture for America, that's the American version that Andrew Yang started before he ran for president. Okay. Um, and so it's about like giving yeah new grads kind of entrepreneurial skill sets. And so I was part of the Canadian version. And that is where kind of was surrounded by a whole bunch of other young people who are pumped up about just like trying new stuff, going to yeah. work at a startup, whatever that means. Like we didn't even know what it meant. And from there, I was introduced to someone who was about to start her company and it made sense. So I, I joined on board. So we were a two-person company and uh, we did that for about two years, figuring out the ins and outs of consulting when you don't really know, you're trying to put, <laughs> yeah. put it together. Like that was kind of the whole end-to-end business. That was my MBA pretty well in those two years was here's how you go sell your ideas and services. Here's how you actually execute and try and keep afloat. So it was obviously a finite period of time. It was two years. What were the biggest lessons you took away from that? And then what forced you to make another pivot or another decision to do something different? One of the big ones that I've been thinking a lot about recently was because we went in the service 
in a service business, like we were consultants, pretty much every project we took on was starting from scratch. It was like pitching ourselves, trying to figure out what we could do, what problems we could solve, and then executing on it in a different way every single time. We built no assets. So that was my big takeaway is like business models aren't all created equally and assets aren't just for business. They can apply to your personal life too. Mm -hmm. So those relationships can be assets, but in the business world, it was like, we're not building any systems in place. We don't own any type of anything that people would be willing to pay for other than our time. We're still Mm -hmm. renting at our time, even though it seems cool, like, oh, we've got a business, but we're still renting our time. And so that's been a big takeaway that I've tried to apply now is ensuring them taking on activities and doing projects that are building momentum towards something bigger and and compound over time and aren't just one-offs. Yeah. During that time, were you doing a ton of like continuous learning or education or podcasts or books or anything like that? Yeah, definitely listening to a ton of podcasts. <laughs> Started with Tim Ferriss. He was my, uh, my entry drug and then yeah. uh, kind of spread out from there. But I felt like I didn't have, I wasn't on paper, wasn't supposed to be doing what I was doing hmm. because of like that Forrester background and like I know it doesn't really matter what degree you have, but it was, it felt like I didn't have necessarily all the pieces. And so I did everything I could to try and read like business books and, and psychology books and catch up. And, but it was from that, I was like, these books are, are boring. Like there's not a whole, there's no secret to it. It's just trying new stuff. And yeah. you kind of, we're seeing that now that just business models are constantly evolving and what, you know, this decade probably isn't going to be very relevant next decade. Yeah, especially a lot of the marketing messages too, like those are constantly evolving and it it is just about testing. It's just, you know, you can formulate all day long and you can be really good at it, but even the people who are the best at it still create campaigns that don't work, you know what I mean? And so it's just a constant testing, 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 and then tweaking and then implementing and then testing and then tweaking and then implementing kind of a game. So then after that, after that stint with her, what was the answer to the problem then? <laughs> yeah, we, we kind of went our separate ways on good terms. And it was at that point, I was really like, okay, I need to start thinking about where the people I know. And that's honestly when I found, when I found your show, I was kind of thinking, because I'm living still in that university town that I went to school in. It's about 60,000 people in Fredericton, New Brunswick. And I love the town. Everything's perfect about it. And I've got a good friendship network, but I didn't have a good professional network. And even if I did, I I do now, but this isn't the hub where all the really cool stuff is happening. Sure. The best people in any industry, like the best people in the industry I'm interested in don't live here. Right. So, but I had no intention of moving. That was the problem I had. And that's when I kind of came across you. But it was also when I started saying, well, I just need to start figuring out how to meet people where they are at. And Mm -hmm. the fun part is, is we're all connected by the internet. So it doesn't matter where you are in the world, you can meet someone where they're at, which is online. And so So that was kind of my thesis going into to figuring out how to network. So, so you, you found the show just online, right? And then came out to the event? Yeah, exactly. I listened to you uh, on Bigger Pockets podcast. Okay. Yeah, there, um, there you go. Yeah, I, I, I've heard you say that that one's probably one of your most popular guest appearances. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, yeah, the Bigger Pockets audience is so big, and um, yeah. and I have such a you know kind of soft spot for real estate people anyway, and it's something that interests me a lot. So, this episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with. 
Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So then you come out to Build Your Network live last November and then ended up joining the mastermind. What was, if I can ask, and this is kind of a, a selfish question, but I also think it's helpful for the, for the audience. What was the main thing that made you go ahead and decide to pull the trigger on a you know, five-figure mastermind uh, when you were out in Vegas for my event? It made me really uncomfortable. <laughs> Which, <laughs> and, uh, and I guess when I was younger, when I'm describing like, oh, moving to a province I've never been to before, going out West and just working in the woods. Like those are all pretty massive looking back being like, I didn't know anyone that was a yeah, big right. as a young person. Yeah. That's a, that's a jump. It's a, it's a leap for sure. Yeah. But at the time it felt very organic. And then as I kind of started getting older, I found less and less of those opportunities to do stuff that was made me like brought me out of my comfort zone and into a different phase or something. And so when I was speaking with the people at your, at your event and, and chatting with you and everyone else, it was kind of like, oh, these, are, these people are all uncomfortable right now. And we're all trying to do something bigger than we currently are. Mm. Um, we don't know how we're going to get there. We don't even know what it's going to look like, but we want it, right? Yeah. And so sure. that was kind of my big, my big point was, I don't know where I'm going, but I, I, I can learn from other people who are figuring it out in the same way. And I can also learn from you of like things I I don't want to do like I I don't I I haven't followed the exact same path as a lot of the other people in the mastermind yeah. which uh but I've been able to kind of pick up the pieces and sh- and share back and forth with uh some things that we've been testing that are working and some things that aren't. Yeah, for sure. And then uh I I really I I wanted to to highlight you bro because I I respect the the decision the, like the path that you ended up going down and uh and that this is the thing this is the thing about masterminds if, for those of you who've maybe never joined one or never, um, maybe if you have, it's been a, a lower ticket versus higher ticket. 
the thing about masterminds is that you don't know what's going to come out of them a lot of the times. Like you don't, you can't put your finger on like the top thing that you're going to get out of it. Some like most of the time, the best things that come out of it are the things that aren't even a part of like the hard deliverables that you're going to get mm-hmm. while you're in the group. You know what I mean? So uh, like for instance, the, the, the hundred million group that I'm in, you know, hundred K mastermind, we obviously have postponed the majority of that mastermind has been postponed due to COVID because they, you know, do these crazy lavish events. But, but at the very beginning before COVID happened, there was an event out here in Vegas and it was after the very first event that happened in November of 2019 of that event. And there's this other event that happened in Vegas. And one of the guys that was from the 100 million group hit me up and was like, hey, there's an event out there throwing a party, like an after event party at my suite in, in the Encore, if you want to come by and, and say what's up. So I was like, all right, well, I'm not really doing anything later at, you know, later that night anyway. So I decided to go ahead and go. And what was interesting is that my wife decided to come with me. And usually we don't, uh, we, we, she doesn't really come with me to, to a lot of those things. But for whatever reason that night, uh, we're like, all right, we'll just make a night out of it. So we went and got some dinner and, and went out to the to the two sweet encore. And what ended up happening is she met a guy that was there who was the CEO of this e-commerce company. She was doing like virtual ex- virtual executive assistant work at the time for multiple clients. Like they just had her on retainer for a certain number of hours every month and uh, and she would do virtual executive assistant work. And so he hired her as a virtual executive assistant for the business that he had. And then one of her tasks within the first couple of months of working there was to put up a job posting for an operations manager, operational director. And so when she was writing out the job description, she was like, I feel like I could do this. And so she just asked them if they would be okay if she interviewed for the job and she ended up getting it. And so now she works at a really reputable, great company that takes care of her extremely well and uh, pays her uh, really well. She gets to work virtually like from home which is amazing because she's currently like seven months pregnant or almost eight months pregnant. And we have a 17 month old son. And you know, like that's, that's something that we like joining the mastermind. I would have never guessed in a million years that like, you know, after one of like something that was completely nothing to do with the mastermind where a random guy that's in the group invited me out on some other event and we go and hang out there for an hour in a suite leads to a connection that leads to a small you know, executive assistant job that leads to this other thing. Like there's just no way that you can put your finger on the things that can come out of it. It's just that taking action in the direction that you want to be heading in and surrounding yourself with a bunch of other people who are also heading in that direction and want more for their lives to your point is just usually a really good practice that's going to come back really, really good on you in the future. As long as you come into it with an attitude of looking for all of the other things that are going to come out of it instead of just, you know, complaining about the things that maybe you didn't get out of it that you thought you were going to. So uh, really respect and appreciate that about you and the direction that you ended up going. So talk to me a little bit about the decision-making process that you went through in the mastermind, kind of going away from the entrepreneurial path and then what that led to for you. At the time when I joined, I was really wanting to to build my own thing, like get, get some type of info entrepreneurship thing going. Um, but I had no audience. I had nothing, uh, uh, no specific skill set that I'd built over a couple of years. Like I was still very green in in everything I was doing. And so for a while I was pushing something that obviously wasn't working and I was trying to, you know, get all the, check all the boxes that all those info marketers are trying to say, like, here's how you start your, here's how you start your, uh, your online first online course and all those kind of things, right? Mm-hmm. It just didn't feel right though ever. But I kept like ignoring that, and I was like, oh, "I'll just keep doing it. Like I'll keep yeah. trying." And but yeah, it, it it never 
it never felt like it was working and it wasn't working. So it, it was yeah. like, I both think it didn't feel good and it wasn't working. Yeah. So at that point I was like, well, I need to pay the bills and I need to gain some skills here. And so, but because I was taking action and I uh, launched a, uh, a podcast very broadly talking about how do people be top of mind? How do marketers, how do event people, how do PR people? Like I'm keeping it super open-minded because I didn't know exactly what area I was going to go into as an excuse to reach out to them and find out their secret and get to know them personally, but also understand like, what are the industries out there? Like, what does the job, what does the career path look like for someone who's, who's kind of interested in what I'm interested in? And then I started posting consistently on LinkedIn, which was, again, another thing that was so nerve wracking to me. I'm like, what the hell does a 24 year old have to say on LinkedIn? Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just kept publishing and like that after a while, like going back, it's pretty cringy, probably this, the way I was writing, but you got to start somewhere. And yes. so now I've been consistent with LinkedIn for, for about a year now, like writing every single weekday. And that's been massive in people taking me seriously, but then me also learning for myself because I was reading, I'm still reading, but if, unless you apply that, what you're reading, right. it just right. falls right through your fingers. And so I find these side projects like a podcast or writing consistently or whatever it is for you is like applied reading is actually yeah. putting it to action and what it means to you. And so, but because I was active on LinkedIn talking about marketing, even though I had no background in marketing whatsoever, someone reached out to me and said, Hey, we're hiring a marketing person. Would you like to interview? And that's how I got my first marketing job with zero experience was because I was doing, I was doing the thing that that job required without yeah. anyone's permission to be doing it. Yeah. Then that's why I framed that question that way, man, because that's what I'm saying is that you at the beginning of the mastermind, were not expecting that this was the path that it was going to go down for you. But yeah, I was really eager to like launch my own business and be self-employed and, yeah, right. and be doing the, that, but, that whole route. But then again, props to you for having the self-awareness to come to the decision of like, you know what, maybe I should go back to the grindstone for a little bit. Maybe I should increase the skill set that I have. Like you get paid directly on the amount of value that you can bring to an organization or to the marketplace, right? So a business yeah. would be to the marketplace as an employee to the organization. And if you don't have... Uh, skill sets that are beyond the skill sets of an average person, then you're not going to get above average pay. Like it, to me, it just, it makes total complete sense. And so for you to be able to, to, to take a step back and be like, you know what, let me, instead of trying to force this other thing that doesn't feel right, it feels misaligned and it's not fun and it's not working. Instead of just throwing my hands up in the air and being like, none of this works. I'm going back to forestry. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like instead of doing that, let me take a, take a little bit of time and just be consistent. Just like you said, it's probably some cringe stuff that you wrote, probably some cringe early on podcast episodes. All of my early on podcast episodes are cringy, bro. Like all of them. <laughs> but like, like you said, you got to start somewhere. And it's incredible to me how often people just assume that they're going to start something and just be automatically good at it. Like it's mm -hmm. just something you were born with. And like, like I said before, you might have a natural proclivity towards certain things, but nobody's born an expert. The only way to get better is to just do the thing and do it a lot. And uh, yeah. so for you to be able to just to jump in and be like, you know what, I don't really know much about this, but I'm going to start to start this podcast and I'm going to talk about marketing because that's what I want to be doing. This is the conversation I have with so many people, man, where they're talking about podcasts. They're like, well, you know, I don't know if I want to build an audience. It's like, well, even if you don't want to build, like, it's, it's not about that. It's that if you take action in the direction that you want to be heading in and you are constantly having interviews and conversations with people that are in that industry, killing it, doing extremely well 
then it will lead to some like opportunity will begin to knock on your door. It's engineering more luck. Like luck is by mm-hmm. definition unengineerable, right? But if you can put yourself in a position that allows you to be lucky more often, then you're going to be lucky more often and an opportunity will come your way more often, right? You know, like other people might look at that and be like, oh, you got lucky. Uh, you got a job during COVID. Like you, you, got a, you got a job doing audience growth for a marketing company where you get to do podcasting, which is the exact thing you've been doing. Like, like you know what I mean? Like people might look at that and mm-hmm. say, well, you know, you got lucky. And it's like, well, uh, a little bit. Yeah, like I, I did get a little bit lucky, but also... I put myself in the position to be able to be lucky, you know, and that's what I think what people who don't ever take action use as a justification as to why they're not where they want to be because they just chalk it up to luck to everybody else who accomplishes what they want to accomplish because they actually put themselves in the position to get lucky. You know what I mean? So a uh, huge, huge props to you, bro. Uh, cannot be, cannot be more proud and, and, uh, I'm really happy to bring you on this uh, uh, Mastermind Member Highlight episode and, uh, and to feature more of what you got going on. So I got to ask you this question and then we'll move on to the final segment here. Um, this is a question I know that you've listened to the show a bunch, so I'm sure you know what's coming. Who you know or what you know? The question I ask everybody that's been on the show, which of those two is more important, Stuart, and why? I, uh, I knew you were going to ask it, so I had to think about it a bit. And uh, for me, what I've, what I've seen is, is the people you know will tell you what you need to know. Like you need, but, you, but the, the people you know come first. So yeah. finding out like marketing for me, I a year ago had zero network in that, had zero skills in that. But as soon as I started writing about it and reaching out to marketers, I started figuring out what the landscape looked like. Mm-hmm. I knew who was doing what, how their career paths came, who are buddies with other people, who collaborate, who I should stay away from, who are under, flying under the radar. And then from that, I was able to map out, like see the whole spectrum of marketers in the world, right. understand like these are different verticals that you can like skill sets that you can have, career paths you can take, ways you can monetize that skill, whether it's being a full-time employee or having a side project or building a, uh, some type of community or an audience. And from then I was like, oh, well, I'll just take the best parts of every single one of these people and then try and do it myself. So it's yeah. not... Like I, I wouldn't have known that though without understanding who is out there and getting to know them first. So I'd have to say who you know can teach you what you need to know. Yep, well said, bro, well said. Let's go ahead and move on into the last segment, the random round, just quick random questions, quick random answers, ready? Yeah. All right, what profession other than your own do you think that it would be fun to attempt? I think it'd be really cool to try to produce an album or at least a song. I think mm. uh, try, the, the music industry has a lot of cool stuff figured out and they, they definitely don't get credit for the amount of creativity they do. So trying to produce an album would be up there for me. Yeah, I agree. If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and chat for an hour, who would it be? I'm really into uh, to James Clear right now. He wrote Atomic Habits uh, and he... Uh, so what I want to chat about is kind of like his is I where he sees kind of time well spent because now he's got tons of people listening to what he has to say and he's got books out there and he's got now a skill set. And so like, how does he think about time well spent and how do habits play into that? How do you like to consume content, books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos? Podcasts when I'm walking around and doing stuff, books in the evening, but I, I'm, I'm a sucker for a catchy video. I'll always watch it. If there's a good thumbnail and a hook, I'm in. <laughs> Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Well, now that I'm uh, full-time working remote from home, I get up, 
uh, I've been pretty late recently, so not like 8, 8.30, sleeping in and have a glass of water first, make a cup of coffee and then sit down and I've been doing morning pages, which is where you just write un- uninterrupted for like 20 minutes and just, just stream of thought. Like no, there's none of this stuff gets published. It doesn't go anywhere, but I found that a really cool way in the morning just to get your brain warmed up and uh, get all those cobwebs out. What is your go-to pump-up song? <laughs> Uh, Final Countdown by, uh, is, is that Europe? Is that who that song's by? I don't know the artist, to be honest with you, but I do know the song. You know the song. Everyone's, yeah. everyone's humming it in their head now. Oh, yeah, for sure. 100%. <laughs> what is something that you are just not very good at? I'm not great at like following up with uh, with text messages. Mm. I see them and then say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I answer <laughs> in my head, but I don't use my thumbs. Yeah, sure, sure. As you get everything wrapped up here, bro, what's one place online where people can go to find you the most? Yeah, if you've got any interest in uh, marketing or how the best of the best are doing it, uh, my podcast, Top of Mind, it's a yellow icon. It stands out pretty much. Give that a listen. If you're on LinkedIn, that's, my, that's where I publish the most. So uh, definitely connect with me and uh, let me know that you heard me through this through this podcast. So if you are listening to this right now, pull out your podcast player and uh, search Top of Mind with Stuart Hillhouse and uh, subscribe, give it, a, give it a listen, reach out, say what's up, tell them you heard about him here on the show. Stuart, thanks so much for joining me, my man. Uh, it's always good catching up with you. Yeah, wicked Travis. Thanks a lot for having me. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.